Well, today we are concluding uh, this message series called All In, and over the last four weeks we've been talking about how to be more intentional about using our physical bodies for God's purposes, this earthly part of us. And today we're going to look at what Scripture says about having a heart that's all in. Jesus said that everything that we do in our physical bodies, the words that come out of our mouth, what we allow our eyes to focus on, how we respond with our hands and our feet to the needs around us, all of this flows out of our hearts. In the Old Testament, Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything that you do flows out of it. Everything that we do in our earthly body flows out of this inner place that the scripture refers to as the heart and it's not talking about the physical blood pumping heart but the part of us that directs and wills what we will say and do and we can't bring our earthly bodies under God's reign until our hearts will what God wills and our hearts want what God wants so now that we've talked about the different ways to bring our bodies under in sync with God's purposes, what I'd like to do today is to look at how we can have a heart that's willing and longs to direct our bodies to do those things. And as you look at Scripture, a metaphor that's frequently used for an unresponsive heart, a heart that isn't interested in knowing or seeking God's will, um, the metaphor that's used is, is hard-heartedness. Uh, when God resisted, uh, when people resisted God in the Bible stories, they were described as hard-hearted, or it was said that their hearts were calloused. Uh, anybody ever had calluses on your hands? Yeah. Well, Pharaoh is probably the most well-known example. His his heart was so hardened to God's direction that he refused to set God's people free, even though. Um, the series of plagues was destroying his country. He was tiptoeing around dead frogs and sorting flies out of his cocoa puffs, and uh, he wouldn't do what God asked of him until the tenth plague and his oldest son died. A hard heart can't respond to God, won't seek what God wants for them and for others. God wants us to have moldable, pliable hearts that he can shape and mold and transform to love the things that God loves. And the good news is that as followers of Jesus Christ, um, when we give our lives to Jesus, we become new creations. We're given a new nature and a new heart. And this new heart or will is one that wants to please God and do what God desires. It's a heart that's in sync with God's purposes. Our memory verse for the series is Galatians 2.20, and it points to how God makes this possible through his son, Jesus Christ. So since it's our memory verse, let's read it together one last time. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. So what has come alive when the old heart is crucified and dead is a new tender heart. 
a heart that is steered by Jesus as we live by faith in him. But the challenge is this. Even though we've been given a new heart, God doesn't turn us into robots who are programmed to do the good and right thing every time. God made us free to choose to love him, and we are free to choose, like our own children are, uh, how we will live and how we will use our earthly bodies. And sometimes we choose to honor God, but other times we choose to satisfy our own desires and whims. Our new heart is, has this bent towards loving God and choosing the good, but the desire to do so consistently um, is something that grows and blooms and uh, in us as we keep our hearts soft and pliable um, and yielded to God. So to help us uh, guard our hearts against being hard and keep our hearts open to God's will for our lives, I want to start today by looking at three symptoms of a hard or hardening heart, and then we'll talk about how we can have soft hearts towards God. So the symptoms of a hard or hardening heart. Your heart may be hard or hardening. These are in your message notes. Um, when you are unresponsive to God drawing you to himself. Um, God is a God who loves. Uh, he's always drawing people to himself. But there are some people who will never experience life in Christ because they continually ignore or run away from God. They're unresponsive to God's invitation to put their faith in Jesus Christ. And, and the parable of the sower uh, and the soils points to this kind of hard-heartedness. Uh, the farmer went out to sow the seeds, right? And he is, uh, this, the seeds in the story represent the good news of uh, Jesus, a life in Christ. He goes out, he sows these seeds, and he's extremely uh, uh, generous with them. He just flings them everywhere, regardless of where they're landing. Uh, the farmer wants to have the maximum harvest, he, the greatest possible response. And consequently, some of the seed falls on the path. And this is an area that has been hardened by traffic. And the birds come, they eat the seed uh, before it can take root because the path is hard. And if you think about what a path is, right, a path is ground that's created by people traveling in the same direction over and over, right? And when a person gives the same response to the wooing of God, their hearts become hardened. It's like a path that chooses the same direction every time. And the more that they reject God, um, the harder the soil their hearts become until they're no longer able to see or hear the calling of their name, until they completely shut God out. The writer of the book of Hebrews uh, speaks of these people when he says today to these people, when today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. God wants every person to know him, to love him, to have eternal life. But we have to say yes to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of our lives. And if you haven't done that yet, God is calling your name again today. And he loves you. He's waiting for you to come home to his heart, to his family. And all you have to do to receive that is to invite Jesus into your life, to, to admit the things that you've done wrong in the past and ask him to come and make his home in your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. 
Then the second symptom of a heart or hardening heart is when you're unresponsive to the Holy Spirit's conviction of sin. Uh, Forrest and I went to Horrocks this last week to get some plants, um, the sets for our garden, which he put in, by the way. I won't even take any credit for that at all. <laughs> but when we were walking up to the building, uh, someone's car alarm went off behind us, and neither of us turned around. No one around us turned around to look and see whose car alarm was going on off. And, you know, I got thinking about those alarms when they first came out, how, you know, it sounds like such a great idea that we're all going to, you know, this alarm's going to go off, everybody's going to turn around, and the thief will be thwarted, and they'll run away. But we've all set off our own car alarms, right, uh, at times. And the majority of the time, it's user error, right? So we don't turn around, we don't look, we want to save this person the embarrassment of having people watch them while they try to figure out which button turns off the dumb thing. But we have a problem like this with our hearts. God has built in a conscience, and he's given us his Holy Spirit to guide us. And when we're headed in a bad direction, he tries to convince us to turn around and go the other way, to stop, to resist that temptation. But if we ignore his voice enough times um, if we don't we won't pay attention anymore we just keep going we don't turn around we don't examine our hearts and we tune out the voice of God Hebrews 3:13 says but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sins deceitfulness uh, we just convince ourselves it's not that bad everybody else is doing it and our hearts get hardened to it. We all have those areas that we struggle with to do the right thing. For some, it might be gossip. Others, it might be anger. It could be the language that you use, and I'm not talking about English or Spanish. I'm talking about <laughs> that language, and you know what it is. Uh, whenever we act in ways that grieve God, the Holy Spirit will bring it to our attention. And that's why we feel badly when we yell at someone or cheat or lie or ignore someone in need and on and on. And if we do these things consistently, we become hardened in our hearts to the hurt that it's causing, to the brokenness that comes from it. But if we'll listen to that still small voice and ask forgiveness or right the wrong or turn away from that sin, whatever it is, our hearts will stay soft and become more like Christ's heart. And Paul told the Ephesians, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. So we listen and respond to the Holy Spirit. Be tender-hearted, not hard-hearted. Then the third symptom of a growing hard-heartedness is when we're unresponsive to the needs around us. Our, our level of hard-heartedness um, is calculated by the distance between what grieves us and what grieves God. And a good question to ask ourselves is, am I grieved by the things that grieves God? Am I troubled by the things that trouble God? And I believe one of the reasons that we aren't deeply bothered by the things that we see in the news is that we've become desensitized to them. Um, and that's a symptom of a hard heart. We, we see so much hurting, so many atrocities, so much wrong, 
that it's overwhelming and we often don't know what to do or how to help, so we do nothing. And the problem with that is we train our hearts to not respond. And the more that we convince ourselves that there's nothing that we can do, the more calloused and hard-hearted we become. Jesus responded to the needs around him. He um, to take action, and he uh, showed his love with his compassion. And we can learn from him and keep our hearts soft towards God. So let's look at some ways that we can do that as we learn from Jesus about how to keep our hearts softened towards God. The first thing we can do is respond to the Holy Spirit's urging to care for the needs of others. The Holy Spirit's always making us aware of needs around us. And Paul was speaking to Jesus' followers in the letter to the Colossians, and he reminds them that they have taken off the old nature with its practices and put on this new self, this new heart. And he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness. You know, compassion is like one of the outfits in our wardrobe. And you'll need to go to the closet at any moment and choose to wear compassion when God brings needs to your attention. You'll have to push away the hangers with the garments of the old nature, you know, being annoyed with them or those selfish thoughts. Whatever keeps you from helping others and reach into the closet and draw out the beautiful new and colorful robes of kindness, of sacrifice, of love. Because when we respond to the Holy Spirit's urging to care for the needs of others, it's not just those, those out there that we're helping that get helped, it's us as well. Because when we respond with compassion and kindness and the like, it's not just an outward thing that happens. Your heart changes and softens as well. Doing something instead of nothing keeps our hearts soft and empathetic. You become more like Christ. Then number two, read God's word and pray. God's word has a way of chipping away at the crustiness that builds up around our hearts as we go through life. And when we read scripture and pray, God uh, speaks directly to the hard places the lack of compassion, the areas of sin, the fences that we have put up to protect ourselves from hurt. Whatever it is that's becoming hard, God softens it with his word. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. You can't have a hard heart unless your heart is shaped and kept pliable by God's word, a soft heart, excuse me. When you pray, ask God to show you the areas of your heart that have become hardened, and then as he speaks to you in his word, respond to that. The third way to keep our hearts soft is to pursue Jesus and pursue love. Pursue Jesus, who is love itself, and his, uh, because his love melts the hardest of hearts. His love melts the hardest of hearts. 
A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned a book that Forrest and I are listening to as we drive around, and it's called Everybody Always. And the focus of the book is on how we should love everybody always. And it's been a really challenging book because the author actually lives this out in some really radical ways. And the last story in the book pushed me to look at my own heart. Um, you know, there's a lot of r wrong in the world, and we see it every day, uh, school shootings again this week, um, women and children being trafficked, abused children, hungry children. One of the wrongs that I wasn't even aware uh, existed or whatever is the abduction of children by witch doctors in Africa. And the author of Everybody Always is Bob Goff, and he's the honorary consulate of Uganda to the United States. And in Uganda, over a 1,000 children each year are abducted by witch doctors, and the witch doctors use them for sacrifices. They cut out their organs to be used um, in incantations and for spells and such. And it's been a devastating reality for a long time. And no one in Uganda was doing anything about it because they were afraid of the witch doctors. And no lawyer would take, uh, on a witch doc take a witch doctor uh, to trial. No judge would hear the case because of fear. And it happens that Bob Goff, the author of this book, is a lawyer. And when he found about, out about these horrific crimes he, uh, that are being committed against children, he decided to do something. He just needed one client who was brave enough to testify against one of the witch doctors. So one day he received a call. A nine-year-old boy had been abducted by a witch doctor and lived through this horrific attack. So he flew to Uganda. He talked to the boy in the hospital. He found a judge that would actually risk his life to hear the case, and he had to be protected by the military. And you'll have to read the story to get the details, but they were finally able to bring this witch doctor named Kabi to trial. And after hearing the case, the judge found him guilty and sent him away for life. He went to prison for life. So we're listening to this story, and when I heard that Kabi had been convicted and they were going to send him to prison for life, I felt relieved. You know, now the fear of witch doctors were gone, other witch doctors would go to trial. Other lawyers and other judges would, would hear these cases, and innocent children's lives would be saved. We're listening to this, and then the author continued this story, and I heard the words, After the trial, I returned to home to the United States, but I couldn't get Kabi off of my mind. And instantly my eyes welled up with tears, and I knew before he said another word what was coming next. If we're to love everybody always, that included Kabi. And, and truthfully, after hearing what he had done to all these little children and to this little boy, I didn't want him to be loved. I wanted him to get what he deserved. I wanted him to spend the rest of his life in a dark hole of a prison somewhere. But the tears also came because in that very same instant, I saw yet again the truth of the gospel. And how deep and how wide and how long and how high is the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ. 
when our hearts are soft enough to grasp it. And uh, exactly as I feared, Bob Goff went back to Uganda. He visited Kabi in prison, and Kabi gave his life to Jesus Christ. Later, he asked permission from the prison guards to, to tell the you know other people in the prison about Jesus. He gave what Bob Goff described as the worst uh, sermon he had ever heard <laughs> theologically. But people, revival broke out in the prison. People were coming to faith in Christ, and Calvary was baptizing them with a bottle of water, one after another. Love cracks open even the hardest of hearts. And we don't get to choose which hearts God cracks open. Forgiving sinners is exactly what Jesus came to do. And he gets to extend grace to whoever he chooses because he's the one who hung on the cross. It's his grace and his purposes that are being worked out in each person's life. So I wonder, what are the areas of your heart that are hardened? And in what way is the attitude of your heart contrary to what Jesus said and how Jesus lived? Are, are there hurts around you that you've been hardened to or sin in your life that you've gotten comfortable with? Pursue Jesus. Pursue love. And as you do that, keep your heart softened toward God. And then you'll be willing to bring your whole body, your whole earthly being under the reign of God and be used beautifully for God's purposes. I'm going to close with Hosea 10:12, where he says, Plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you'll have a harvest, you'll harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we, I thank you. I, I thank you for the soft hearts in this room and the many responses I've seen over the years of people serving you, loving you, giving their all for you. And I pray, God, that you'll help us continue to serve you and, and be soft towards you. And if there are places in our life that are hard, um, plow that soil up, God. Keep us ever soft towards you loving you and loving others. I ask it in Jesus' name.